Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash VPK. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Daiichi Sankyo. Welcome to this Peer Voice activity on non-small cell lung cancer. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor Solange Peters and Dr. Edward Guerin. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, this is Solange Peters from the University of Lausanne in Switzerland. I'd like to welcome you all to this activity in this first presentation titled Biomarkers Matter, TROP2 in Advanced Non-Small Cell Lung Cancer, we will look at the role of TROP2 in Advanced Non-Small Cell Lung Cancer. Discussion points for this presentation will include the unmet need in patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer that have progressed on current therapies, the role of TROP2 in progression and metastasis in non-small cell lung cancer, as well as the outcomes associated with TROP2 expression in advanced non-small cell lung cancer. Lung cancer remains the leading cause of cancer-related deaths worldwide, with a five-year survival estimated at less than 10% nowadays. In our countries, average overall survival is 15 to 20 months for unselected patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer who receive one or two lines of prior therapy, including immunotherapy, and of course, still less than the year for these patients who cannot be exposed to immunotherapy, maybe in many regions and countries in the world. Targeted therapies and checkpoint inhibitors have improved the treatment landscape for this patient with advanced non-small cell lung cancer. However, new approaches are still needed, and particularly for those patients who are not eligible for these treatments and for these patients whose cancer continues to progress beyond these treatments. Identification of therapeutically targeted oncogenic mutations has improved survival rates for patients. However, in our countries and landscape, most non-small cell lung cancer tumors still lack such genetic alterations. Focusing on TROP2, the human trophoblast cell surface antigen TROP2 is a transmembrane glycoprotein originally found to be expressed at very high level on the surface of trophoblastic cells. Most recent studies have also identified TROP2 to be highly expressed in a number of human epithelial tumors, including colorectal cancer, oral squamous cell carcinoma, as well as pancreatic cancer, and high expression is often associated with poor prognosis. By contrast, TROP2 expression is minimal or is absent in normal epithelial tissues. TROP2 may promote tumor cell proliferation as well as cancer aggressiveness. On this scheme, you can see that TROP2 expression is found on many cancer types and this TROP2 expression has been associated with poor overall and disease-free survival 
across these specific uh, cancer types. As you can see in lung cancer, it has been shown in this series to be expressed on 64% of adenocarcinoma, 75% of squamous cell carcinoma, as well as 18% of high-grade neuroendocrine lung tumors. In this uh, study, you have to think about the large number of patients who have been studied, more than 2,500 across 16 studies as a meta-analysis. Thinking about the molecule, CHOP2 is encoded by the tumor-associated calcium signal transducer 2, TAX-STD2 gene. In non-small cell lung cancer, its expression has been linked to the upregulation of genes involved in tumor proliferation as well as anti-angiogenesis. CHOP2 indeed promotes proliferation and cancer cell invasion while inhibiting apoptosis and namely by regulating neovascularization through what we call the ERK1 and ERK2 uh, uh, transmitters uh, within the cytoplasm. CHOP2 expression is significantly associated too with a well-known P53 mutation, an alteration that has been also linked to lower survival in recurrent as well as all advanced lung adenocarcinoma. So what do we know about CHOP2 in non-small cell lung cancers? There's not a lot of data and there remains a controversy. While CHOP2 is expressed in early stage non-small cell lung cancer, its clinical significance after resection in this disease remains a matter of debate. As you can see on the left-hand side, in this multivariate analysis, CHOP2 overexpression and lymph node metastasis were the two independent factors which were shown to predict uh, uh, an outcome with CHOP2 overexpression being correlated to a poor outcome uh, after resection. On the right-hand side, and that is the controversy, uh, CHOP2 overexpression was significantly more frequent in squamous and adenocarcinoma, but CHOP2 overexpression was shown to be correlated to a better disease-free survival in adenocarcinoma in this series, while it was not the case in squamous cell carcinoma. But as you can see, we still don't know what is the impact. It's a bit clearer when you go to a more advanced stage of the disease. So this is a nice study showing that CHOP2 overexpression confirming is quite high across the several tumor types, adenocarcinoma, squamous, and neuroendocrine tumor. And I'd like to stress here how CHOP2 expression is evaluated to be high. It's an intensity of one on more than half of the cancer cells or an intensity of two on more than 10% of the cancer cell. So just be aware of the definition. That is what it looks like, uh, low intensity, middle intensity, and high intensity, very easy to evaluate. So using this biomarker, high TROP2 expression was associated with high lung cancer-specific mortality in adenocarcinoma, but not in the squamous cell carcinoma. High TROP2 expression was associated with lower lung cancer-specific mortality in neuroendocrine tumor. TROP2 expression looks like to be correlated with mortality, but in a dependent fashion, depending on the histological subtype. I just wanted to stress the definition because the next trial, which was very interesting, was using another, more often used definition of TROP2 positivity. The proportion score is describing TROP2 expression as follows, looking at the percentage of cell expressing TROP2, as well as the staining intensity, leading to a total score of a maximum of 12, uh, and defining a positive score with more than 4, and negative with equal or less than 4. So a double entry 
staining, which is more often used today. This is what it looks like, and in that series, TROP2 expression was higher again in uh, the tumor as compared to the tissue in a very significant manner, and also, as shown before, higher in squamous cell carcinoma as compared to adenocarcinoma. In that trial, focusing purely on advanced disease, the median of our survival time of all patients was 15 months, and the survival time was significantly better in the patients with TROP2 negative expression than those with TROP2 positive expression, really confirming here that there is a prognostic role of TROP2 in advanced disease. For patients who lack an actionable alteration but progress on chemotherapy or immunotherapy, Treatment options remain an unmet need and a challenge in lung cancer. TROP2 overexpression in many solid cancers, including lung cancer, has been associated with poor overall and disease-free survival. TROP2 has established itself as a clinically meaningful biomarker among several types of solid cancers. TROP2 overexpression is closely correlated with an unfavorable prognosis in advanced non-small-cell lung cancer. It is an independent prognostic marker and a potential new therapeutic target in advanced non-small cell lung cancer. Ability of TROP2 to promote self-renewal, proliferation, angiogenesis, and cell invasion makes it an ideal candidate for targeted anti-tumor therapies. And with this, I'd like to thank you all for your kind attention. Please stay tuned for the second presentation by my friend Eddie Garron from the University of California. Hello, I'm Edward Garron from the University of California, Los Angeles in the United States. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about uh, TROPE2 antibody drug conjugates or ADCs. Uh, this obviously is an emerging area in the management of advanced non-small cell lung cancer, and that will be the topic of this activity today. Um, the focus will be on going through the mechanism of action of trope 2 antibody drug conjugates. Uh, we will review data that is available to date and also discuss uh, somewhat the future directions for development of these agents, including discussion of the ongoing phase three studies compared to docetaxel, as well as earlier phase studies looking at combining these agents with currently available therapies. As we know, for frontline therapy of patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer, the approaches are targeted therapies for appropriate patient populations, or immunotherapy, in many cases along with chemotherapy. In the majority of cases, uh, patients eventually develop progressive disease. And in that setting, the toxicity efficacy profile of the currently available options is unfortunately suboptimal. Antibody drug conjugates combine the specificity of monoclonal antibodies along with the cytotoxic effects of chemotherapy. TROPE2 has been considered a particularly attractive candidate for um, antibody drug conjugates as it's a transmembrane protein with an extracellular domain that's overexpressed in a wide variety of tumors um, and is known to be upregulated relative to normal cells. There currently is one available antibody drug conjugate directed against uh, TROPE2. This is approved in triple negative breast cancer as well as in urothelial cancer, this is sazituzumab govotecan. Um, it combines a humanized monoclonal antibody against trope 2 via a linker to the SN38 payload. This is a payload that is a derivative of rinotecan. After uh, trope 2 uh, binding, it is internalized and is then takes effect inside the cell. 
Here you can see the results from a basket trial looking at 54 patients with non-small cell lung cancer. What you can see is that the response rate was nearly 17%. Uh, the duration of response was uh, six months with the median overall survival a little over seven months and uh, progression-free survival that was about four and a half months. The waterfall plot clearly shows that there is uh, evidence of efficacy, um, including patients who had uh, stable disease, uh, some of whom uh, appear to derive uh, significant benefit. Here you can see data related to the toxicity profile from sazituzumab, govotecan, and as would be expected, particularly as the, uh, the effector portion of this uh, molecule is a chemotherapy, the toxicities are fairly common for chemotherapy, including uh, some gastrointestinal toxicity, fatigue, uh, as well as cytopenias, including neutropenia. Sazituzumab govotecan is being uh, developed further in non-small cell lung cancer. Probably the largest effort is the phase three study of VOC1, comparing Sazituzumab govotecan to docetaxel. And there are also earlier phase studies, including the Morpheus lung study. In addition to Sazituzumab govotecan, um, their dadapotamab deruxtecan is also an antibody drug conjugate directed against uh, trope 2. This has been, uh, I would say, the most uh, widely uh, evaluated drug in non-small cell lung cancer as um, it was evaluated in a large number of patients to date. This is a humanized trope 2 antibody that is designed to be internalized. Uh, the linker is then cleaved by lysosomal enzymes releasing the payload, which is again a topoisomerase 1 inhibitor, in this case a derivative of exotecan. The agent has been widely evaluated as part of the tropion pantumor O1's non-small cell lung cancer cohort. Um, this study did include other cohorts uh, of disease, um, but started out as a dose escalation study, followed by 50 patients with non-small cell lung cancer evaluated at 4 milligrams per kilogram, 50 evaluated at 6 milligrams per kilogram, and 80 evaluated at 8 milligrams per kilogram. Although the primary objective was to establish the maximum tolerated dose and evaluate safety, efficacy was also to be evaluated as part of this study. The demographics show that across the three different dose levels, patients were quite similar. There is perhaps a relatively greater proportion of patients at the four milligram per kilogram dose that were um, enrolled in Japan as opposed to the United States. But for the most part, the demographics are very similar between the three dose levels. The safety data, as you can see here, shows that uh, it was common to have a treatment emergent adverse events, as would be expected, uh, but that most of them were low grade. The two unique adverse events that I will uh, point out are stomatitis, which certainly can be seen with some of our therapies, but was certainly a part of the toxicity profile of this agent, as well as dry eyes. One additional toxicity of note, although rare, was interstitial lung disease because it was associated with, uh, with death in three patients, all of whom were at the eight milligram per kilogram dose. This dose has subsequently been discontinued um, and is no longer uh, being evaluated. Um, this has been a concern with the Deruxtecan uh, program to date, um, and this high-grade uh, interstitial lung disease uh, is something that has uh, rarely been seen, uh, but is of concern as it has been associated with uh, death in some cases. Um, Despite some uh, concern based on the, uh, the ILD, the tolerability in general, I would say, is quite good. Here you can see the uh, efficacy data 
which shows that at all of the dose levels, there was a response rate of, of around one in four patients, which is uh, quite good for this uh, clinical setting. In addition, one thing that was uh, very exciting is the duration of response. You can see that at the six milligram per kilogram dose, which was the selected dose, that the duration of response was uh, over 10 months. And what you can also note is that although six milligram per kilogram was uh, selected, four milligram per kilogram uh, also was a safe and efficacious dose. You can see the waterfall plot uh, showing uh, substantial activity uh, of this agent. Uh, data pot Potomab-Deruxacan is also being evaluated in a phase three trial uh, versus docetaxel. And that study is in addition to several earlier phase studies uh, that are looking at uh, datapotomab-Deruxacan in a variety of uh, different settings. This is a, sort of an early time point in the evaluation of antibody drug conjugates directed against trope two. Um, as you can imagine, uh, we are still trying to determine which patients are the optimal patients for uh, trope 2 antibody drug conjugates. Uh, I think that although trope 2 uh, expression on cancer cells would be considered an appealing uh, biomarker, to date it hasn't really panned out as a biomarker. There, of course, will be further uh, evaluation to, uh, to look into whether we can appropriately select the right patients. The dosing and schedule of these agents is different. I think that's something that we will certainly uh, evaluate. As a, uh, an agent that does have a chemotherapy component, there is some concern about the idea of treating forever, what the appropriate duration of therapy will be um, is an area of ongoing uh, consideration. Although many of the toxicities are toxicities that we are used to managing, um, some of the toxicities, for instance, dry eyes, um, are things that uh, over time we may develop uh, additional expertise in dealing with. We have always considered the gold standard for efficacy to be overall survival. And um, I anticipate that that will also be true when people contextualize the results from these uh, two phase three trials. Certainly overall survival, though, doesn't capture uh, the entirety of uh, the clinical experience. I would say that um, over the years, we've become more enthusiastic about duration of response. Someone who has a, high, a long duration of response is someone who clearly has derived benefit from, uh, from a new agent and for whom that new agent has led to a substantial change in both their longevity and oftentimes their quality of life. I would say quality of life is certainly important, particularly in this, in this setting where we don't anticipate that people are going to be cured of their disease. They're going to uh, be in a situation where we are hoping to allow them to live as long as possible and as well as possible. We are excited about the idea that we would be able to combine uh, these antibody drug conjugates that are directed against trope 2 along with standard therapies such as uh, targeted therapies, uh, other chemotherapies, uh, and or immunotherapies. Um, I think that that is an area of substantial uh, enthusiasm in the field, uh, but also one that will require a significant clinical investigation. One thing that, of course, we have learned over the years is that one cannot perfectly predict which drugs will um, be tolerable when combined uh, or efficacious. So in summary, despite exciting advances in this area of uh, non-small cell lung cancer, uh, particularly advanced stage non-small cell lung cancer, there still remains a significant need as most patients, unfortunately, do end up having progressive disease. Um, after treatment with either appropriate targeted therapies or immunotherapy or chemoimmunotherapy approaches. 
The hope is that the combination of the uh, toxicity profile as well as the efficacy data from uh, trope 2 antibody drug conjugates will make it a, an appealing alternative to a standard salvage treatment options in this setting. The hope is that by uh, basically taking the uh, antibody, which is going to direct the chemotherapy to uh, really the, the cancer cells specifically, um, when we'll be able to enhance the therapeutic index of our available therapies. Um, and certainly the hope is that uh, should these phase three studies uh, compared to docetaxel be positive, uh, that these trope two antibody drug conjugates would offer an attractive alternative um, to standard uh, current therapy in previously treated non-small cell lung cancer patients. Thank you very much for your attention through this activity. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.